Hey there, thanks so much for tuning in to the City Light Church podcast. We're so honored you've joined us. We hope that today's podcast brings you hope, encouragement, and most of all, adds value to you in your walk with Jesus Christ. We long to see people grow from where they are closer to where God desires them to be, and it's our hope that this podcast is an essential element in that process for you. So grab a pen, your Bible, and a journal, and let's dive into today's message. How many of you love Jesus this morning? Come on, let's just go on with a hand clap. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. Middle school, you can be released. You guys may be seated. Wow, I'm going to try to transition into some very important stuff, get into the Word, and and we've got so many cool things happening. So many of you guys have gotten involved in city groups and discipleship groups. The groups at City Light are really uh, humming right now, and I could use more of you who have the Word in your spirit and want to gather some folks around you, and that'd be really cool. We have a a really neat event coming up, um, 25th, 26th of February. That's not this coming Friday and Saturday, but next Friday and Saturday. And I need you, if you haven't today, to get on our Church Center app, register for this, because it is going public and it will fill up with folks from other churches who have already heard about this conference. Um, and it is the Worth the Fight event that will take place here. It is incredibly important. Listen to me. I need you to hear your pastor's heart. This is incredibly important that if you are raising children or teenagers or you're a grandparent with direct impact into these little ones and these young adults, their life, I need you at this conference to understand the biblical position of sexuality in America today. It is extremely important that the church is no longer silent, and and we have been, and it was not taught in seminary, and it was not taught in the local church, and it needs to be because first and foremost, sexuality is God's design, not Satan's design. Amen? So God has blessed it, and there are, you need to understand the operating agreements that he has for us, right? And that's a lot of what this conference is for. And so I need you to do that for us. One of the most important things for us is that we had next steps, and they also provide this for us. And we actually are blessed to have resources inside of City Light that are actually uh, have already been prepared, have already gone before us and prepared themselves. In fact, Tim and Roseanne, I would like for you to come and, and my, look at there, Roseanne's already got a microphone. You came to church prepared. Amen. You guys have experience with uh, Rethinking Sexuality is the book that actually I just started this weekend and um, what this topic encompasses. And you've both decided to do a D group around this as a follow-up to this subject and this conference. Tell us a little bit about your journey, but also your D group. So several years ago, actually over a decade, I started working at the Women's Pregnancy Center. And so I worked with hundreds of women over those 12 or 13 years. And what I realized is a conversation about sex is rarely about sex. A conversation about sex is about longings, desires, wounds, and what we ultimately believe will satisfy us. So, rethinking sexuality, God's design, and why it matters. 1 Peter 3.15 says, set apart in your heart um, the Lord and always be prepared to give an answer, an apologia or apologia, an answer for the hope that is within you. Do you know why God created sex? 
I mean, do you really know the profound mystery? Because the gospel is actually written within our sexuality. It's written, um, sex is first and foremost a brilliant metaphor of a profound truth. Because sex, sexuality and marriage was always meant to turn us and to teach us about intimacy with God. Um, Every sexual question is really asking a deeper spiritual question. And our views, I know this seems countercultural, but our views about sex come out of our views about God. And we, when we get our views about sex wrong, we get the story of God's design wrong. So this is huge, and this is why it is so important. Because if you see what... Um, if you want to know what Satan attacks the most, it's what God loves the most, and what is so prof profanely violated is sexuality in our culture. Absolutely. And so, um, and we see this played out in the Bible, because when the children of Israel, God's chosen people, when they turned away from God's design for sexuality, they did not only go pagan, a promiscuous, they went pagan. And so we see that throughout the Bible. So when we get this wrong, it's a big deal. And the church has really been either silent or given us a list of rules. So what Tim and I want to do is we're putting two words together. Actually, Dr. Julie Slowry put them together. We're just facilitating what she put together. But we, um, two words that you don't normally hear together, sexual and discipleship. And so that's, what is that? What is that? That's a great question. <laughs> Let me answer that for you. Um, it's an approach to sexuality that integrates all sexual conversations. So basically, it's knowing what we believe and living what we believe and passing on what we believe to the next generation. Because what happens is... Um, when I worked with the Women's Pregnancy Center in Pan Cunningham, we had this thing called Happily Ever After. And when we would do this, um, we would talk to young girls. Well, one day Pam's like, there's got to be more, there's got to be more. So she took the moms and I took the gals. And she had this profound thing happen to her. One of the moms came up to her and said, I'm not allowed to talk about my sexual past. My husband won't let me. And Pam thought, how in the world is anybody ever going to learn or know that you understand what you're going through? How are your children supposed to know that? So we hide, and, and we haven't done a good job. And so, um, so basically the world is sexually discipling us because everyone in this audience can actually tell you more of the cultural view of sexuality than the biblical perspective. It's easier. And so it's time that we take back that ground. It's time that we take back that for Christ. Um, so Nebuchadnezzar was um, pretty much a genius in how he changed the appetites of young men of Israel when he, when he captured them. Within the first three years um, that Daniel was captured, Nebuchadnezzar targeted his worldview, his appetite, and his identity. Those are the same three areas, the war zones, that are happening today. That's what is being targeted. And so Satan has no new tricks, but we need to step up as the church. And um, 
My last thing is a quote by A.W. Tozer, and I wish I would have memorized it, but I didn't, so here it is. <laughs> Um, oh, well, let me say this. Thank you. <laughs> Why I want to do this. I want to help women be free. I want them to restore, I want to restore or help them restore their view of healthy sexuality. Because once you see what healthy and whole sexuality looks like, then you understand where you're sexually broken. But if you don't know what the real is, how do you know what the fake looks like? And so A.W. Tozer said, the question before us and the question that really matters is simply, what do you think about Christ and what are you going to do with Christ? Okay, so I have 15 seconds left. Uh, but um, no, how do you follow that? Right? Uh, so... Basically, I took part in the um, first men's rethinking sexuality um, curriculum back in May of 20. Um, it was 12 weeks. This, this is going to be seven weeks, so all you guys are getting the abbreviated version. Um, but um, how we got here. Um, probably about a year ago, I saw a guy I knew in church, Chuck Guy, sitting in church, and I said, hey, there's Chuck. <clears throat> and I said, uh, I got to ask that guy out because I remember him. I got to ask that guy to lunch. And uh, about six months later, I kept saying, i got to ask that guy to lunch. And he told his wife, there's some crazy guy asking, telling me he's going to take me to lunch, but he never takes me to lunch. <laughs> so, but we ended, up, we ended up doing dinner one time. But um, at that time, and that was months ago, I told Chuck, I said, you know, the, Ho the Holy Spirit's really um, putting on my heart uh, to form a group for young men on sexuality. And uh, it's funny when you look back on the Holy Spirit and where he takes you and, and he leads you um, to this point. And... Um, the um, worth the um, worth the fight event that all you parents that have children and even grandparents need to go to uh, to get some tools for yourself. But this right here is an excellent piggyback to that event. Um, and what's nice about it is we have men's and women's groups. So um, a lot of men would not speak up in a woman's combined group and vice versa. Um, but really what, what we want to do this for is <clears throat> there's two types of men sitting in the seats right now. Um, if you're one of the men like me that was not raised in the church, um, my introduction into sexuality was at eight years old when I found a Playboy magazine underneath my dad's sink in his bathroom. Um, that's how I was introduced to sexuality. And then it snowballed from there. We're going to be, we're going to be, um, indoctrinated into some form of sexuality, whether it's through the world, through social media, through um, television, um, just bad influences, or we're going to learn God's way. Um, my hope is to um, help people that have had that negative um, upbringing in uh, sexuality, as well as the young guys. We want young guys to come too, because I'd much rather see you do it God's way from the beginning then go through a lot of the stuff that's really not good. So it's only seven weeks. Um, I was talking to Pastor Ken about uh, committing. You're talking about an hour a week. And the Holy Spirit's dealing with me about, you know, Fox News or um, YouTube or whatever this stuff that we spend hours of night on. So surely we can dedicate an hour a week to the Lord. Right, right guys? Okay. That's it. Uh, I ran out of breath. So I. Just kidding. Come on.
I just wanted to add, the book is for everyone. It's not a male or female book. It is for everyone because we are all sexually broken, and that's one of the seven paradigm shifts. You don't realize it. Even if you did everything correctly, there was a fall, and it didn't look like it did before. And so, again, we need to see what the the wholeness looks like so we can weed out what the brokenness looks like. And... So I'm so thankful that Pastor Ken is allowing us to do this discipleship group. I'm thankful that you guys have the heart to have already gone ahead and you've planned this. We've had other staff who have done the legwork and made this possible. I'm just standing up here presenting it um, because my heart has grown really attached to this and the necessity of why this needs to be. I mean, we as a church should be here not this weekend, but next Friday night and Saturday morning, to grab this information, why you need it. I need it. But even after that, our sisters, our brothers, our cousins, co-workers, our neighbors, this is who we are as the body of Christ. We are injecting health and wholeness into our community, and there is no other arena under attack like the arena of sexuality. Amen? Amen. Thank you guys for next steps and providing this for us. We appreciate you guys. Thank you for this morning. Wow, I almost changed the message right there. I almost changed it and started preaching a different, a different message, which would have been good. Amen. Amen. 20 of you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. That's right. It's growing from 14. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many of you brought a Bible? Praise the Lord. Is it digital or analog? You got the old version? Oh, I like it. I like it. So, um, New, New Testament, Matthew 23, verse 13. And all the pages in the house started turning. Remember those days? Remember those days? We need to get back. Amen. They need a, they need a Bible app that when you flip through it, it goes... what it does. That's the Holy Spirit right there. Amen. The wind, the Ruach of God, right? Praise the Lamb. Praise God. Father, thank you for your presence. You're so good. You're so good. We love you. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Whoo! We would say that in the South. He is cussing up a blue streak, man. I mean, he's calling them down, right? Woe to you. Hypocrites, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you don't go in, and you don't allow those entering to go in. This is Jesus, vintage, upset with the church for not doing what it should, How many of you know some things never change, amen? So we're just trying to do with all boldness what the Lord has called us to do. This is really where we're at. And that means going back to the scriptures and not letting, because Tim, I agree with you, culture will educate you on what sexuality is all about. The problem is their father has perverted it. So that whole subject's been perverted. And you miss the mark of God's intention for this in our lives. And so Jesus is 
is, uh, he is really just lamb blasting is the word I was getting ready to say to almost say it. These church people, the Pharisees, the scribes, these religious people, and he calls them hypocrites because the very thing that they live by, the Mosaic law, is to issue in people into the presence of God. God has encountered people in the Old Testament. He is encountering them. And now there is a new fresh wind blowing and they will not allow people to experience God, not from the Old Testament, nor he has come onto the scene and he is now preaching the kingdom is near. In fact, in, you hear Jesus' message, and, and we rarely preach this, but Jesus preached. This was the, the context of his message. Repent means rethink, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So those are two parts, right? You can't have the kingdom without repentance. So he says, rethink, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Matthew 3, 1 and 2. John the Baptist came and preached in those days in the wilderness. And listen to his message. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And Jesus said in Matthew 4, 17, From then on, Jesus, after being baptized, began to repent and say, The kingdom of heaven is near. So we see this. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven shall be theirs. In the, in the great Sermon on the Mount. And, the, and, and you will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so all of this kingdom conversation has been described. And we are left with this overarching question. What is the kingdom of heaven? Because we're 2,000 years later. After this message has been preached. It's actually longer than that because if you go back into Old Testament, this is why Old Testament is so important. It's like knowing your grandparents. So when folks will, will say this, and this is my analogy, if you say, oh, I don't need to read the Old Testament, that's like saying you don't need to understand your grandparents or the, or the wisdom they have or where you came from. There's a part of you that needs to know this information. So the psalmist David talks about this. He talks about the kingdom of heaven being eternal, Psalms 10. Psalms 145. Ezekiel talks about this. In the kingdom of heaven in Psalms, or Ezekiel 37. Daniel talks about this. Daniel 2, 44. He actually says, in those days, in those kings, the God of the heavens will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, and this kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, but will itself endure forever. When Jesus comes on the scene, he is not preaching a different kingdom. He's actually preaching the same kingdom message that David, Ezekiel, Daniel have all prophesied. You see, there are phases to the kingdom coming near to us. One was the phase of prophecy. That was the Old Testament prophesying it was coming. Second phase is the last great prophet, John the Baptist. The kingdom is near unto you. The third message is it is in you. It's around you. It is here. It is kingdom in us now. And then this fourth phase will be kingdom fulfilled. So when you hear kingdom preaching, you need to be careful that we're not talking about kingdom now theology, as though somehow we are living now in the fullness of the kingdom. We are living in a 
place where the kingdom of God has come in me and resonates in me. Now I allow the king's domain to have his will and way in me. This is what sculpts my view of sexuality. This is why it's so important when we come to this, this conference, uh, Worth the Fight conference, it is allowing kingdom heaven principles to now come in me. Now the kingdom resides in me because I know God and I know what he desires. Are you with me? Say amen. So we understand God's king has domain. Our king has domain, kingdom in me. When I encounter his presence and understand his word and understand his desires and implement it in and through my life, it is kingdom that has come into you. I have now come into kingdom. And that kingdom will have a change in my life and in the atmosphere of my home. Amen. So all you dads need to understand this. If you can get into the presence of God and get his word in you, the king's word in you, it will change you, obviously, but it also will begin to change the atmosphere of your home. Your wife will begin to experience kingdom. Your children will begin to experience kingdom. I'm not preaching a foreign doctrine. I'm actually preaching what Jesus preached, that it is God's spirit in you. It is his will and his way. This is what we are looking at here. Amen. That's good stuff. When we go back into the Old Testament and we look at this, it wasn't a new thing. This presence of God, what, in fact, what we, tell them I'll call them back in a minute. What we, what we are experiencing in worship, watch now, watch now. Is, is simply this, that worship is the presence of God and our spirits becoming heightened and we are, we are literally encountering his presence. We're encountering his kingdom. We come near to him and it's during those times. The, one of the reasons we delay in, in prayer time is so the Holy Spirit can speak to you. It's so he can have a word with you and he can say, hey, hey, Ken, you know, you're doing business this week. I didn't quite like your attitude. I didn't like that phone call, you know. You know, the Holy Spirit speaks to me like that. Amen. And if you'll listen in the presence of God, he'll say, Hey, hey, I don't like the way you treated your wife. All the ladies said, Amen. Amen. He'll say, Hey, I want you to, to listen to your wife. My wife told me something a couple weeks ago, and normally I would have said, Woman, those are grounds for divorce. I mean, don't talk to me like that. That's terrible. I, I, I don't want to do that. But she, she and, and my spirit resonated with her, and I had a peace about it, right? So as I'm in the presence of God, the Lord has taught me to listen to my wife because she's sensitive in certain areas, and she hears things, and I'm strong in certain areas. She's strong. So the Holy Spirit teaches us. It's His will and His way. When we listen to him and obey, we begin to experience more of his glory in our life. This isn't a new concept. Jesus preached this. Wasn't a new concept there. It goes all the way back to Moses and bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. Do you know why he brought them out of bondage? He wanted intimacy with them. He wanted a people that bore his name. <laughs> So when Moses comes out, in fact, we go back to, to, to Exodus chapter 33. I want to read a lengthy verse. I want you to get this. Verse 7. This is very powerful. Verse 7. Now, Moses took a tent and pitched it outside the camp at a distance from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. This literal tent would later become the tabernacle. It would be known as the tabernacle of God. It would later be built on the temple mount 
in Jerusalem. You know what I'm talking about. The Dome of the Rock. How many of you know what I'm talking about? In, in, that is not, that is a building that is trespassing and one day it will be removed. There set the temple, Solomon's built temple on that temple mount. This was the earliest versions of it. This was literally the tent version. Moses went out, he pitched the tent. Um, and it says that anyone who wanted to consult the Lord would go to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. So watch this. Moses, verse 8, whenever Moses went out of the tent, all the people would stand up, each at his door of the tent, and they would watch Moses until he entered the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down, this is the glory of God, and remain at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak to Moses. Verse 10, as all the people saw the pillar of the cloud remain at the entrance of the tent, they would stand up, then bow and worship each one at the door of his tent. And verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face just as a man speaks to his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young man Joshua, would not leave the inside of the tent. When you want to meet God, sometimes you got to get away from the people. Did you see that? Not everybody who worships wants to be in the presence of God. Did you see that? Come on, shout in this non-denominational church. <laughs> Look at me now. I mean, a lot of people drive into worship, but not everybody wants to meet the king face to face. You know why? Because when gold comes into contact with fire, the impurities come out of the gold. I'm still talking about intimacy. I'm still talking about there are things in us that are not in him. Hey Amen. This is good. It's good stuff. I may, I may put this in a Tupperware and save it till next week. It's good stuff. Hope it's not like manna. It goes bad tomorrow or something. Moses, verse 12, said to the Lord, look, we have told, uh, or you have told me, lead this people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know, your know you by name, and you have also found favor with me. So this is what God told him. Now, if I have found, if I indeed have found favor with you, please teach me your ways. And I will know you. You see that word? I will intimacy you. I will know you. If, you will t if I can get in your presence, you will teach me your ways. And I will have intimacy with you. All right, I'm going to tell you something that I haven't wanted to tell you. All right? But you got to promise me that you won't disown me. And you won't say, well, I'm never coming back. Or you won't say, I can't obtain to that. All I've been preaching the last few weeks is holiness. I know that's a religious word. I know it's a heavy word. I know it, it doesn't swallow well. Holiness, pastor. You don't you know it's 2022? It's all I've been preaching is holiness. See, the difference... In what I'm preaching is that we have been taught holiness is something I do to worthy myself in the presence of God. 
But what Jesus taught us to do is get in the presence of God and he will make you worthy. It's a simple, it's a simple procedural change. For years, we've tried to get ourselves cleaned up for the king. But part of the fire's responsibility is to clean us up. Part of why he wants us into his presence, guys, is to make us men. Hollywood hasn't taught you what a man is. NFL, I don't even know who's playing tonight. I heard they're playing tonight. Somebody on the NFL is playing tonight. I don't know. You think I'm kidding. I have no idea who's playing. I don't care. You know what? I am lost in a pursuit for the holiness of God. If you do, that's okay. I, it's no big deal. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not making fun of that. I'm not saying you're less than a person. I'm just saying there, there are things in my life that used to really matter that today I've gotten, they, they've gotten lost. And I sometimes, I, I put football above God. And I think as I'm getting in the fire, God burned stuff out of me. That's all I'm saying. Hmm. Verse 13. Now, if I have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways and I will know you so that I may find favor. <laughs> if I have found favor, teach me your ways so I can have intimacy and I'll find more favor. Do you see that? And he replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Here's the point. Cultivating the presence of God and the kingdom of God. If you will do that, his peace and His provisions will always be found in your life. Moses says, if you do not go, don't make us go up from here. Verse 15. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? He's saying, unless your presence goes with us, how will the inhabitants of a land that you're bringing us into, how will they know that I am is our God? I am your people. And I will be distinguished from these others. So God is telling us, I, I want to I just close with this part right here. God is telling us that, Moses rather, is telling us that without the presence of God, nobody knows who your God is. So if the fact you are a follower of Christ in your neighborhood, in your job, in your family, if it's a secret, it's a void and an absence of the presence of God. He is literally saying, with the presence of God, knowing you, knowing your ways, your glory is about us. The nations will know of us. People will know when we are in the presence of God. They have no clue other than your car left at 930 and returns at 1145 that you went to church. But they will know if you get in the presence of God. I think this is very interesting that Moses went into the presence of God and came out and met with the people, went into the presence of God, came out and met with the people. But it says that Joshua, son of Nun, did not come out. The difference between Moses and Joshua is that Moses conquered bondage in his life, but Joshua conquered the giants that put him in bondage. Oh, you didn't get that. 
Moses led the people out of bondage in Egypt, but Joshua went into the promised area of his life and destroyed giants. Moses didn't go there. Joshua stayed in the presence of God. Moses had a responsibility to come out and meet with the people. Moses' temperament did not allow him to go in and kill giants. Joshua said, all I need is the presence of God. And I think sometimes, Lord, we repent because we made church an event that we check off the box. And we went and we did it. And we got upset because we booked ourselves and our schedule so tight. We had other things to do that when the glory of God moves, we spend an extra 10 minutes, something's wrong. I just can't keep doing this. My prayer is that we would get lost in the presence of God and that the word of the Lord would begin to just pierce our hearts. And we would begin to ganasco. We would begin to know Him. We begin to just know Him. Like, even though we are undone, come on, because part of knowing Him is, is about your flaws. It's about accepting, it's about allowing Him to accept your flaws. How many of you understand metaphorically what I'm talking about in marriage? We are, we are exposed. We are undone with our spouses. We accept our flaws, our, our, our undoneness. We like that in that sense need to run into the presence of God and say, God, I'm yours. I'm your, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. Come on, think of my grandchildren and their little innocence and, and changing a diaper. They just, they, just need, they just need you to help them. They don't run. They don't run. They have to get older before they learn. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I, I poo-pooed my pants. And I've learned shame. And might hide. Right? But you can't hide it, mamas. You know what I'm talking about. You walk through the house and go, girl, come here. That's the way God does in the garden. He's searching you out. He's like, what is wrong with my daughter? Come on, girl. Come here. Right? I love you. I'm going to change your diaper. Son. Get down out of that tree. I'm coming to get you. You need a diaper change. Amen. Boys, we don't want to come down. Listen, the hope is, the hope is, there was hope written all over that. I got to go back. I'm trying to close. I am, Lord. Listen, listen. Verse 17. Verse 17. Verse 17. The Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked. Oh, you didn't get it. Moses asked that the presence of God stay with him. He said, go with me. Go with us. God says, I'll do this thing you asked. If we will ask for the presence of God, he will come. He will settle in our homes. He'll change the atmosphere. He'll settle in our church. He'll change the atmosphere of our churches. He'll settle in our workplaces. Contention and strife will begin to move. Why? If you ask for the presence of God, Moses wasn't denied. You won't be denied. Stand up. Stand up with me, please, so I can stop. If you don't stand up, I I don't know how to stop. But that helps me. How many of you want more of the presence of God? All we got to do is ask. All we got to do is ask. Father, we ask for you. 
just your presence. We don't want silver or gold, just your presence. God, we're asking that you would settle in our midst the way you did in that Old Testament camp, that your glory would settle there and that we would not be those who set back, but we would drive in to know you. We would drive in to experience you. We would drive in because you are God. We love you, Lord. Amen. Well, we hope that this message has brought you hope and encouragement, and it was just what you needed for today. If you're joining us today and we can partner with you in prayer in any way, it would be our honor. Please reach out to us by visiting our website, mycitylight.org. And lastly, if the Holy Spirit has laid it on your heart to give today, you can do that by visiting mycitylight.org and go to the giving tab or text any amount to 84321. Be blessed.